set this up, Sean, just because I want to give the visual, because the visual is pretty good. Because um, it happened while we were on the air yesterday, so we actually uh, had a chance to read it. Everybody's wondering what's going on with the impeachment. Well, re- regular people aren't wondering it, because regular people aren't thinking about impeachment at all. Right. But people in the news business and in Washington, D.C. are wondering what's going on with impeachment. Why is she holding on to the articles of impeachment? Why hasn't she sent them over to the Senate? What leverage is she trying to get? Democrats, Republicans, strategists on all sides. Nobody has really a guess what she's trying to pull off. And uh, so she was asked yesterday, are you going to send him over? Are you going to send him over? And she's walking down the hall there in the Capitol building. And a couple of reporters keep asking her over and over. And she just says, you know, eventually or sometime or whatever. And finally, I'm ready. Finally, she's had enough of a reporter asking her and she stops and she turns on her sensible heels and flashes those Nancy Pelosi eyes and sticks a finger in the person's face. Do you listen when I speak? I said when we saw what the arena is, that we would be sending members in, then we would send over the articles. We haven't seen that. If you couldn't hear that, do you listen when I speak? Do you listen when I speak? Do you listen when I speak? I said when we saw what the arena is, that we would be sending members in. That seems to me like someone who's uh, feeling some pressure on some end, don't you think? Oh, yeah, everybody's told her get on with it. Listen, what they are trying to do is is get the narrative to as many Americans as they can that Mitch McConnell is a crook, that the trial will be fixed, and you can tell because they're not calling witnesses. They're just trying to hammer that message for as long as they can get away with. You know, even though McConnell's saying, let's just do it the way we did it with Clinton. I haven't heard a strategist who think that's going to work either. <laughs> um, that, 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 I've heard Democratic Congress people who are claiming that it's been effective, it's been worth it, because now the country knows Nancy, that the trial is corrupt. Because Nancy Pelosi will pluck their eyes out if they don't say that. Right. But oh, I yeah. haven't heard any strategist on any of the cable news channels think, oh, yeah, this is a good play. This is really great. Because nobody's paying attention. Right. Right. Oh, by the way, my prediction, based on, you know, what I've heard, is uh, they will pass on the articles of impeachment to the Senate uh, roughly 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, the classic Friday news dump, because it's embarrassing and, and you know, it's a flat tire of a, a strategy and the rest of it. So they'll, <laughs> flat tire. they'll essentially, um, you know, kind of uh, pass it over in the dark of night and mumble and, 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 and go off into the weekend. Mitch McConnell, leader of the Senate, said this yesterday. We will operate on the assumption that House Democrats are too embarrassed, <laughs> too embarrassed. <laughs> To ever move forward. I thought that was funny. <laughs> They're too embarrassed to send over the articles of impeachment, and that's what's going on there. Look, there, and I want to tell you this, there might be some witnesses called in the Senate. That's not been precluded. They've just decided they're going to do the first part before they decide. And listen, here's how dishonest all this is. There is absolutely nothing, and I mean nothing, that says Adam Schiff and the rest couldn't say, you know what, we're going to amend the articles of impeachment after we call John Bolton and, and whomever. And, uh, and, and you know, if, if somebody wants to say, I don't think I need to testify and the courts hear it and the rest of it, um, that could happen. That could absolutely happen. There's no reason it can't happen. The articles of impeachment aren't really articles of impeachment until they hit the Senate floor. So the idea that it's some sort of God-forsaken outrage that Mitch hasn't said any witness you want will come. Before, it's just everybody's lying. I've become a tweaker, as I mentioned earlier on the show. I uh, got the real Sudafed from behind the counter that you you get from Breaking Bad and make your own meth at home. But anyway, I took it at night. I took the 24-hour Sudafed, and I stayed up the entire night. Not tired. I'm still not tired. 
I'm not the least bit tired, and I stayed up all night long. That seems weird. So I'm, I'm living the tweaker lifestyle, and I see the appeal. Mm-hmm. So it's turned into people on the text line describing what it's like to be a tweaker, which is actually kind of funny and kind of good information, since so many of us are surrounded by them. And God bless them. We have listeners who, who are down that road and have come back, so good for you. Here's another... Um, Text, no shoes, regardless of how cold it is, if you want to be a tweaker. Okay. And always jeans with no underwear, so your butt crack is always showing. I have noticed that. Strong. That seems to be a... That's a good hint. Thank you. Jeans with no underwear. Lots of scratching. That ain't comfortable. You have to itch a lot? Do you just feel itchy? I guess that's it, yeah. I I, I read a description of um, a a, a famous musician, it'd be distracting to talk about who, but... Uh, he was a heroin addict and uh, was dull, withdrawn and needing some and then getting some and you know, and he was constantly convinced there were bugs on his skin. Oof! And he scratched himself bloody. Now I don't know if tweakers if they're just itchy or if they think there are bugs on them, but in the uh, immortal words of uh, Nathan Ratliff, I got bugs crawling all over me. I had a friend who was a uh, a meth dude for a long time, and it's like so Sudafed doesn't work on him, caffeine doesn't work on him, energy drinks don't work on him. Wow! Just, like his his central nervous system is so shot. Oh boy! None, nothing has any effect on him. Isn't that good? No, probably not. But he came out of it. Um, we're going to talk to Ian Bremmer coming up, so we have to leave plenty of time for that. We like Ian Bremmer, and he's got his top risk lists for 2020 out. Risk list. Too many S's in there. I threw in an extra S. It's certainly funny. That's what tweakers do. (laughs) We just throw in random S's. Ian Bremmer next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Justin Bieber says, unfortunately, he's battling Lyme disease. In a related story, a lot of ticks are battling tattoo poisoning. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Funny joke about a not funny disease. So Justin Bieber came out yesterday. He's only 25 still. Yeah. But he came out yesterday and said he's had Lyme disease. It's been a rough couple of years. People have been saying that I look like crap. Am I on drugs again? They failed to realize I've been uh, struggling with Lyme disease. Um, it's affected my skin, my brain function, my energy, my overall health. So when you see yeah. him shuffling around looking like a mess, it's because he's got Lyme disease. He's having a, a bad day or a few days yeah. with Lyme disease. Yeah, that's an insidious disease, man. Oh, it's terrible. And anyway. you, you have it forever? You get bit uh, by a yeah. tick and you have it forever. Yeah, it lurks. There are ways to control it somewhat. I have a friend who, who suffers from it, but it, it comes and it goes. You just can't get rid of it completely. What if it's Epstein-Barr with just a twist of Lyme disease? Mm. So let that two, hang out there. About two years ago is when he said this. Yeah, about the same time he got married. Just saying. You think his wife gave him Lyme disease? I'm thinking but maybe can, can it's not Lyme on? disease. It's marriage. Oh, jeez. And that joke was from Seinfeld. You gonna say what Seinfeld was uh, as an inappropriate joke? Yes, yeah, It was Elaine Bennis who said that. So, so, again, I will have none of her filth. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Julia Louis Dreyfus, oh. I demand you explain yourself. I had a couple of things I wanted to mention. I didn't here. write it. <laughs> oh. Durr. By the way, the bloom is off AOC's rose. The Democratic Party angry at her. She's refused to fork over six figures in party dues. And she's in trouble with PETA. Or do you say PETA? Because she got herself a purebred French bulldog no, whatever. instead of a setting an example by getting a rescue pup. Whatever. Whatever, he says. Good God. She got them realtor eyes. Oh, she got them. She got them. 
That's how you tell with the realtor eyes. Washington Post is doing a story today that we talked about a while back. I might read it. Do you remember there was a German factory where people kept dying and they couldn't figure out why, and then they finally figured out there was a guy uh, putting poison in people's sandwiches? Do you remember that story? Oh, yeah. It happened over many, many years, so it just became, you know, God dang it, that's the fifth person that's died that works at this plant. I've got to do another uh, atmosphere analysis. Well, if you think back to 2003, that's the, you know, that's... Five people that have died that we know. Yeah. Jim died, and but starting over, to get weird. Over many, many years, twenty-two people got poisoned in the lunchroom of this one factory. So this guy is a serial killer, and, died. and he does all his killings at his job. Yeah, in one place. Boy, but, that's 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 really spread out. Hutzpah and crazy. Well, as we've said many times, they invent a new kind of crazy every day. That's it. That's a, 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 a. you think your coworkers suck. <laughs> uh, and this story from the Hill, I need to click on this. Hanson, click on it. Uh, I, I want to know what it is. The Hill with the headline: Sanders hires protester. Biden told the vote for Trump. I remember that dust up kindly, kind of. Somebody was badgering Biden, and he said, "Vote for Trump." But the Hill says Sanders hired the guy. Is that a scandal? Oh, the Sanders campaign hiring a protester. They're sending protesters to each other's rallies. I like it. I don't know if it's a scandal, but it's entertaining. It's not unheard of. It's kind of off-brand for Bernie Sanders. Yes, because it's jivey, dishonest politics. Who wouldn't even bring up Hillary's emails? Is anybody following anybody around in a chicken suit this cycle? (laughs) So it appears to be slightly different. So Joe Biden told a protester to vote for Trump. Bernie Sanders just hired him, is what I'm reading from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Okay, okay, gotcha. But but hired him to do what? Oh, social media, merch sales, who knows? Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Clean up around the place. So it's, so it's not exciting up. at all. That's and a one exciting. thing on the, uh, yeah, it's not exciting. I'm sorry I brought it up. And then the one thing on the race, you got a four-way tie in New Hampshire with the uh, new numbers that are out today. Which polls? All of them. Okay. Okay. You got P- Mayor Pete in first at 20. Polls. Mayor Pete in first in New Hampshire at 20. Wow. Is he still in first in Iowa? He was last poll. Mayor Pete, who um, blamed the United States for the downing of that jetliner. Not very nice. Okay. Biden at 19, Bernie at 18. There's just... And, and Elizabeth's at 15. So yeah. it's Virtual time. Yeah. So it, there's no... Twi- any of those four could sweep the first two states and march to the nomination. Yes. Or... Or several of those four could be out after the first two states because they finished fourth, right? In or, both states, and so they're just done, right? I mean, there's or many scenarios. It remains utterly unclear after the first yeah. several states. Oh yeah, if Biden finishes fourth in Iowa and wins New Hampshire, for instance, right? And, what then? and somebody else does the reverse. You're, for Trump. you're starting over. Yeah. Uh, although it was pointed out to me, and it was an excellent point, generally, if there's a fairly decisive victory in Iowa, or or on the other side, a decisive loss, somebody you thought was going to do pretty good ends up at the arse end of things. It's about expectations, Joe. It will. That's not what I was going to say. But um, it, it will change all the polls in all the other states overnight. Sure. Yeah. Because they think, ah, that's the horse I want to back. And all of a sudden, zingo. It's, you and know, it is because of expectations. If you're supposed to do really well and you just tank, yes. then everybody says, oh, yeah, that guy sucks. I thought he sucked. <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> The tweaker from Kansas has the floor. Man, oh, man, oh, man. I want to disassemble something and then reassemble it ever since I got on the meth. Wow. I'm taking Sudafed. It's the same as meth as far as I can tell. Well, I understand you're very productive 
until you get to the losing your teeth, committing unspeakable acts, you know, scratching holes in yourself stage of things. I just Googled does uh, pseudoephedrine affect sleep, and apparently on some people it does keep them up. Oh, yeah, it, uh, it kept me up. Not, like, made it hard to sleep. I was awake all night long and was never the least bit tired. Wow. I've never done that in my entire life. Yeah, you've, you've got to be extra sensitive to it. I can't take the stuff because of blood pressure concerns. I'm never going to take it again, I don't think. I'll take it in the morning. The 24-hour kind? Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Does that last I, six hours really any good? Who I, knows? I took it at uh, around noon. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I probably think that's not for you. Apparently not. Yeah. Do we have a doctor in the house? Is there a doctor in the house? I told my wife last night at 10.30, I said, I feel like I've, dr- I've, I've drank a grande Starbucks. Wow. Wow. Mm, what are you going to do? Craziness. Um, I obviously, I lied. Ian Bremmer is coming up in about 10 minutes to talk oh. about the risks yeah. of 2020. And well, accuracy is really not the hallmark of the meth addict. <laughs> So yeah, the lying has already started. You got it right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. The deceiving yeah. people just to try. Yeah. Ian Bremmer next with Where's the top wallet? risks of 2020. Homelessness in Washington is decreasing, according to new data released by HUD, but it's increasing in nearby Oregon and California. A look behind the numbers from the Seattle Times. Oh boy. So for whatever reason, hey, I heard they got even more stuff they'll give you in Oregon and California. Who's with me? Yeah, they're about to spend billions of dollars on curing homelessness in Cal Unicornia, the uh, utterly you know, unpalatable governor of that state. Uh, Gavin Newsom is about to announce the, the multi, multi-billion dollar budget, and they are going to pour billions of dollars into the homelessness thing, which will almost certainly, given the description of what's going to happen... Uh, they're still in the unicorn riding, we just need to throw money in apartments at these people and it'll be fine camp. So uh, the initial, I think the probably next couple of years, what you're going to see, and brace yourself, Californians, is a huge influx and increase of bums and junkies as they realize Seattle yeah. is great. But it's cold and rainy. You're telling me I can get even better benefits than this in the sunshine? Well, look out. So I saw the headline in the Wall Street Journal. You know what? We ought to state every time we we say something like that. It's a drugs and alcohol problem. It's not a housing problem, first and foremost. Anyway, moving along. So um, I saw the headline, Wall Street Journal, New York Times. Boeing employees displayed a cavalier attitude towards safety and ridiculed the FAA in internal communications regarding the 737 MAX. Yeah. Um, What's the story on that? I didn't read it. Well, it's it's a bad look, at least. I mean, to me, because I'm not looking to be outraged all the time, it's the fairly typical joking and sarcasm of the workplace. Boeing was ordered to hand over zillions of documents and emails and records to the FAA in the wake of the crash of the 737 MAX, the two crashes. Um, Which a lot of people died. Yes, yeah, yeah, quite a few. Um, And uh, amidst the sarcasm and joking, were mocking the FAA's approval process and how easy it was going to be to get them to approve this plane. Also, mocking the amount of pilot training that the FAA was requiring. The problem in those two third world airplane crashes was that the pilots really hadn't been trained of how the new airplane works and its sensors and what to do to override the rest of it. So that was fundamental to all those people dying. Um, and well, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm, 
on one hand, I get the between people you know dark humor. Right. Well, this is, you know, this is the, the one of the great problems with the modern world, especially on social media. Evidence is not proof. D- does this show a systemic disregard that caused them to cut corners and not do what they should have done? Or was it just workplace sarcasm? It's difficult to say. I've never built cars or planes or anything but like that. But if, if I worked somewhere where we built a plane and several of them crashed, possibly because we didn't build them properly yeah. or do something right, would I be joking about that? One Killed e- a whole bunch of people. Well, yeah, one email uh, described, and remember all these emails were sent before the crashes, not in the wake of them, but the one email described the plane as being designed by idiots and supervised by monkeys, um, which I, I doubt very much that they have simian shop stewards. Or do they? Boeing. Or do they? <laughs> I doubt they do. And listen, I'm a Somebody's got to chase that down, that story. I'm a huge Boeing fan. They might have monkeys roller skating around the Boeing... Uh, Plant. Wow. Smoking cigars. Designing planes. Your new tweaker lifestyle has really made you uh, go for the insensitive humor. uh, I'm a huge Boeing fan. I'm rooting for Boeing. But it's a terrible look. Yeah, but that just seems like the sort of snark you do in the in the private workplace between coworkers. Yeah, maybe, although the relationship with the FAA was not a healthy one. So more on that to come. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I've been checking Ian Bremmer's Twitter feed quite a bit this week because I always like to hear what his opinion is uh, on uh, your international stuff. The Eurasia Group is out with their top risks of 2020, and Ian Bremmer is the president and founder of said organization. Mr. Bremmer is not here to elect anyone, to promote or uh, denigrate any political party. He gets up in the morning. His goal is to be right about stuff for his clients. Uh, And that was the short version of the Ian Bremmer disclaimer. Ian, how are you, sir? No, that's, that was beautifully done. These are highly partisan times. Had you noticed? Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed uh, that. <laughs> I know. I know. It's really rough to like say, you know, God forbid, for example, you say something that Trump did right. I you saw that. Trouble, I saw you, you know? defending yourself on Twitter for having said, this looks like a win for Trump. And then in comes a, oh, so you want Trump to get reelected, do you? <laughs> And they're like, how can you say that? It's so early, you know? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a long season, but you can win a game, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I know. Everybody's I mean, lost Even their the mind. Cleveland Browns occasionally pick one up, right? Yeah, it's but a rarity. Just since we were on that, you feel like thus far it's been a win for Trump uh, against Iran? Well, the last week has clearly been a win for Trump, right? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, in a couple of ways. Uh, first, the United States killed uh, Qasem Soleimani, who's by far the most important military antagonist uh, to the United States in the region. Um, and that's a, that's a big deal. It really does limit Iran's capacity to respond and retaliate against American against American allies. And, and then, uh, number two, uh, the Iranians now have knocked down this plane. It seems pretty clear from intelligence uh, from many countries, not just the United States. They're denying it. But that means that the Canadians, the Europeans, are really angry at Iran. So, I mean, the countries that had been angry at the United States because the U.S. pulled out of the nuclear deal 
and had been more sympathetic to the Iranians. Now the Iranians are saying that they're moving out of the nuclear deal and they've got the blood of all these civilians on their hands. I mean, this is a horrible week for Iran, right? And on balance, a horrible week for Iran is probably a pretty good week for the United States. Yeah, and whoever the president happens to be. Turns out that president's Trump right now. But I mean, if Obama was doing the same stuff, I would have said, you know, this looks like a win for Obama. Like, you were capable of saying that. I mean, I guess we're not anymore, but oh my could gosh. be. We could be, right? I can hardly even comprehend such analysis. All right, so Ian, uh, you know, to get back to the disclaimer and the uh, divided times we live in, I noticed that uh, risk number one in the top risks of 2020 is the fractured state of American domestic politics. That's a global risk. Yeah, it is. Well, it's, it's a global risk, and it's a high one because uh, you know, anything that happens in the U.S. is is so massive globally. We're the world's largest economy, right? So the ripple effects make sense. Um, the issue is not is it Trump or is it the Democrat that wins here in the way we look at it. The issue is if it's a close election, it's going to feel like the election has failed. It's going to feel um, illegitimate, and and the the losing side will make those arguments and and will make them in a way that is hard to resolve and that kind of drives mm. the country crazy and makes governance really challenging for a period of time. Kind of kind of like what happened in the UK after Brexit, where I mean it wasn't just that they couldn't get Brexit done; it was also that every all the the the, the side that quote unquote lost said this is illegitimate, we need another vote, we refuse to work on this, this isn't the way it works. Well, you can imagine, you've got an impeached president who's going to be acquitted uh, by the Republicans, and then he's going to continue to use the powers of the presidency to ensure that he can win, and that will include not defending the elections uh, in, in terms of uh, security from external interference. It includes, uh, you know, try, p- pursuing investigations against Democrats, which we'll certainly see from the Attorney General and others, denigrating intelligence, um, and uh, and taking people off the rolls in different states. Uh, and the Democrats, I think, if they lose, will respond with, "This is illegitimate." I think if Trump loses, he'll say um, that uh, this, there was interference. He's already said that in terms of the Ukrainians, for example. Um, and uh, I don't, I don't think in a close election that Trump and supporters would be prepared to simply accept the outcome. So I, I do think we're heading for kind of unprecedented territory in the U.S., even though I don't think our democracy is at threat. I do think our ability to govern for a period of time will be. Boy, I, I hope you're wrong, but uh, you Me probably too. aren't. Uh, I know China gets a lot of attention in the risks report. What's the story there? Uh, story is that uh, we are going to get a deal done, signed, uh, on the 15th of January, this phase one trade deal, and but tariffs are going to stay fairly high. Um, but on every other issue between the U.S. and China, things are heading in a more negative direction. Hong Kong, uh, farther from a resolution, not closer. Taiwan, nationalist president likely to get reelected this weekend. The Uyghurs, intellectual property, and particularly technology. Uh, the most important thing that's going to happen between the U.S. and China this month is not uh, the signature of this phase one deal, but actually the following week um, when the daughter of the head of Huawei has her extradition hearings in Canada. Uh, Canadians just getting caught in all sorts of crossfire right now. Um, and uh, and the Chinese consider that to be vastly more important if she's extradited to the U.S., and I expect she probably will be. Uh, we see the Chinese uh, decoupling themselves technology, technologically from the U.S., and that's the single biggest move in terms of away from globalization that we've seen taken by any single country in generations. Uh, I mean, you know, all the good things that people like Bill Gates and Steve Pinker talk about, you know, whether it's taking people out of poverty or increased life expectancy, all the rest, 
comes from the fact that borders have become more open and more porous over the past decades. And so ideas and goods and services, people move faster and faster around the world. Markets are more efficient. We now see the world's two largest economies literally decoupling in the most important part of a 21st century economy, data and AI and the cloud. And that, that's a really big change and should make us feel more concerned about the future of the global economy. Yeah, you think we're going to have a world that's just completely bipolar, like they have their own tech system that we can't even, like, you know, our phones and computers and stuff wouldn't even work with and vice versa? So, yes and no, uh, in the sense that, you know, the world, America's the largest food producer. We're the largest energy producer. And the markets for stuff we take out of the ground is, is only becoming more global. And, and so, I mean, I don't think the Chinese are going to stop buying American soybeans for a long period of time. I think that those markets will be more efficient. You know, when we hit the Iranians, oil prices and the, the price paid at the pump by the average American didn't really move very much. That's because we, we're an exporter of oil today. We're not an importer anymore. 13 million barrels a day we, we now produce. It's double what it was like 10 years ago. Um, but when you talk about data... And when you talk about the information that human beings on the planet consume, we're actually talking about a world where, in short order, you're going to have two different types of people. One group that consume um, data and information that has been curated by the Chinese, and one, the Chinese government and companies that follow the Chinese government, and a second that will have been curated by largely American companies. And that's going to make us as a planet much more tribal. That can't be a good thing. Mm. Ian Bremmer, president founder of Eurasia Group, is on the line. The top risks of 2020 is out from uh, Eurasia Group. You know, I'm, I'm looking at all the risks, and I love this report every, every year when it comes out, but I'm not seeing Vlad Putin in it, really. Where is, uh, where is Russia in terms of the movers and shakers of the world these days? He's part of the top risk in the sense that Russian external intervention in the U.S. election will be highly politicized uh, and will be part of what drives Americans nuts uh, between those that support Trump and those that can't stand him. Um, but if you leave that aside, uh, you know, Russia's in stronger position on the ground in Syria, okay, and that's horrible if you're a Syrian citizen or used to be and forced out. Um, but it doesn't matter all that much for the rest of the world. Um, you know, Russia uh, is a strong partner of the Iranians, but it didn't stop the Americans from killing Qasem Soleimani, and the Russians' response was, we're concerned. But they didn't do a damn thing. Um, in Ukraine, we're actually moving closer to a negotiated settlement. It's right now a frozen conflict, in part because the Ukrainians have virtually no real friends. They're kind of stuck, and they got even more stuck because of the impeachment hearings. And so now you have direct negotiations between the Ukrainian president and the Russian president, facilitated by the Europeans, that are, that are moving towards progress. So, I mean, actually, in terms of a risk from Russia in 2020, leaving aside... Uh, what happens next this, this coming November in the United States is not all that much to talk about. You brought up a whole bunch of different things, and it reminded me of how uh, the way our media works currently, uh, cable news channels especially, they, they only cover one story at a time. So it's all impeachment, and then all of a sudden Iran happens, and it's all Iran, and then for a while it was all China. And all these things are going on. When you mm-hmm. when you focus on the one story, the other ones are still happening, exactly. <laughs> and and you exactly. keep up on them. And uh, is there is there one particular story that it really bothers you that it doesn't get as much attention? Is it the China um, thing or? I mean, I, I think the biggest thing that bothers me that doesn't get attention is that there are the ch- democracies today 
have two problems at the same time. One is that inside our countries, large percentages of people believe that the system is rigged by the establishment, by the CEOs, by the political leaders, by the mainstream media. At the same time, outside our democracies, the Chinese are building an alternative structure, not just in terms of technology, but architecture, institutions, standards, you name it. And the problem is that if those two things represent different circles of the Venn diagram, they don't overlap anywhere. So not only can we only handle one story at the same time, but the people that are actually focused on those two issues are completely different people. Elizabeth Warren is completely focused on the former, right? And, you know, you've got um, others in the national security complex and the entire foreign policy establishment is only focused on the latter. Well, there's no way we can fix this if we don't actually look at the trade-offs between the two. Uh, it's unfortunate that, I mean, you know, the world doesn't always just throw one problem at you at the same time. Right. Sometimes you actually have to walk and chew gum simultaneously, and we're not showing much capacity to do that. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, because in our real lives, you got problems with your kids in school and your in your wife and your finances and your job, and you you don't you don't ignore all the other ones when... Right, right. So the no, we should really it. ignore all of them simultaneously. <laughs> I think that's... It's the way I do it. Right approach, especially on a Friday. Thank you, alcohol. Man on a Friday. That's what we should do. That's right. Who do you like in the Super Bowl, Ian? Uh, I'm, you know, I have to say, I'm from Boston, and this is the first time in my life that I've ever actively rooted against my home team um, for anything. I really didn't want to see. Uh, the Patriots win um, because I felt like a lot of arrogance and Brady's just increasingly sucked over the last half of the season, and I don't, I don't feel like we should reward that. Now that's some analysis. Don't reward suckiness. I got one personal question to ask you. I find myself regularly in weeks like this really missing the Charlie Rose show, which you used to be on a lot. I think that's the first time I ever saw you. And I just, you know, it. I, I think it's bad for information that that show no longer exists. But that aside, is there a show like that that you go to or watch or, or take in? Or this that, one, you fool. Does that sort of thing just not exist anymore? Because yeah, I'm just picturing the people he would have had on during this whole Iran thing, for instance. Exactly. Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, I still see Charlie because he's a friend, um, and he's done a lot for me, and he may have deserved to lose the show, but in my view, he didn't deserve to lose his friends, um, and that's important. Um, and I'm not when, sure it makes America better to not have, you know, long-form discussions on both sides of issues with generals and people like you and whatever, but anyway. Look, pe- people come up to me on the street, uh, and and they say, I-, I miss you on Charlie. And now, they're usually over 70 years old, so, I mean, you know, but still, you know, it's kind of, it happens a lot. Um, I'll tell you, I, I probably did his show over 100 times, and uh, I had hosted it a few times, and, and the, literally, I was, the last, I was the last guest on his show. I was on on the Friday, and then he was gone on Monday, and I realized that there was no other place for me to go to do a long-form conversation that really mattered on the world. And, and it was the reason I decided to start a show, um, G-Zero World, uh, which is on public television now nationally. I had no intention of doing something like that, and I can't do it every day. I don't have time, so I just do it once a week. I mean, he was on every day. Um, but it's, it's precisely because I just felt like we need that kind of a conversation. You sure do, from somewhere. More than I'd do it myself. You know, Ian, we would, we would do it because we have the chops, frankly, but we're homely. So there's no, 
I, I mean, I've never actually, you know, you know, I have seen you in person, but right. I mean, I, are you deteriorating? Is that what's happening? <laughs> oh, my God. The way we've let ourselves go oh, since we saw you in Cleveland, you wouldn't yeah. believe. Well, let's just leave it there, Ian Bremer. <laughs> beauty of radio, you know? I mean, you can do this until you're 90, and no one would know you look like Kissinger. It's pretty extraordinary. <laughs> Thank God. Ian's the president and founder of Eurasia Group. It's always a pleasure and enlightening, Ian. Thanks a million. We'll talk soon. Okay, good guess. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. The death of long-form conversations about multiple topics is just, oh, well, we'll adjust, I guess. All you had to do was keep your robe closed, Charlie. <laughs> Couldn't do it. Huh? <laughs> Couldn't do Not it. Not a lot to ask. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. and problems of doing this program. Two texts we got, and there are several similar. All right. Um, Ian Bremer is a swamp hack tuning out now. That's when the interview started. Okay. And then later, Goodbye. and then later, you could have Ian on for an hour, and I wouldn't get tired of it. Hello. Great guest. Fascinating. So You hey. two talk to each other. Yeah, well, or yeah, yeah. or <laughs> fight to the death. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we strap their wrists together. Give them both knives. Rusty Blade, they... Bang him on the rain barrel. Right. The curve or something. <laughs> you know how it is. Remember? So this clip we're about to play is from a British cricket player. Cricket is, which one's cricket? Cricket's the one that's kind of like baseball where they got a big flat bat and they throw the ball at sticks and, and then the, they run back and forth for some reason. And the game takes days. All right. Yeah. Literal days for a single game. Sometimes. And they break for tea. Cool. Anyway. Or you get hungry. I remember when we were in South Africa when we did some of the worst broadcasting we ever have from yes. Cape Town. Oh, it was the terrible. Cricket was on the TV all the time. People were watching it like it was, you know, the NFL. Yeah. There's, there's cricket Make, there. Makes baseball look like ice hockey. <laughs> like the NBA. Yeah. Um. Uh, here you go. Here's a British cricket player. Oh, no! <laughs> that, unfortunately, is the third time this evening. Oh, no. He might not get up from this. He's not in good shape. <laughs> yeah, when your partner's looking quite concerned. <laughs> yeah, I think he's in a bit of strife. He's so, got one in the junk, huh? Right in the five hole. Oh, boy. So he got hit in the testes by a what? A stick or a ball? The ball. He was he was at the bat. The, the, the pitcher hurled the pellet. He was trying to hit it to a sticky wicket. I don't know. I'm trying to use credit slang here. And, and they said it what was about the, the, checker? the third time that someone got hit or the third time he got hit? I believe it was the third time he got oh, hit. Oh, And the very start of this clip is you can hear, because the player was mic'd up, and they right. kind of, yeah, so here's the very start. Oh, yeah. But why did the announcers laugh? Why is it funny to get... I don't know. I don't I don't know. Question it's the, the genitals. <laughs> Question genitals are funny. <laughs> people, people are stupid. The poor man was injured. His internal organs were, 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 were damaged. On the other hand, get yourself a cup, dude. Rule number one, protect yourself at all times. Right? <laughs> Thank you. I kind of want to hear the reaction again. I, I don't. And I, well, this I just, is terrible. I feel like the listeners didn't know what happened because ah. we didn't mention he got hit in the junk. Oh. Oh, no! <laughs> that, unfortunately, is the third time this evening. And they think it's hilarious oh, for some reason. He might not get up from this. Oh, he's not going to Yeah, when your partner's looking quite concerned. 
Yeah, I think he's in a bit of straw. Well, I got some sort of junk cam where the camera's like right on his... Uh... Boy, that ball looks uh, very uh, unyielding, too. Well, he swung and he missed, so that's a strike. At least it is in baseball, <laughs> even if you get hit in your genitals. I think the third time I get to hit there in one day, <laughs> you know, I'm going home. Hey, coach, coach, you give him the, <laughs> come here, the signal that means I want to be subbed for. I think I'm, I think I'm done for the day. Hey, look, the cricket's sponsored by KFC. There you go. That's fine. Yeah, they're la- that, and I assume those are former cricket players because usually your color fellers, com- yeah, color commentators are, and they think it's hilarious. So, whatever. I mean, they they're like having to world, they're having to restrain their laughter for some reason. In case it's genitals. <laughs> oh no! Tell you oh no! We've got. I'm off to the library to read a book. This is just too childish. I won't have it. We've got more later on the CES. That's the com, uh, Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Here's some of your kind of sillier ones. we got some of the more serious ones later, but it come, kind of your sillier ones that, you know, oftentimes these never turn into anything. Uber's Hyundai Flying Taxi. I don't know if we'll be seeing those Again a lot. Again with the flying taxi thing? Stop it. Um, it's, it's a helicopter. It's Uber helicopters. Sure. Segway S-Pod. Now, I thought this was interesting. You know the Segway scooters? This is a little pod you sit in. That is similar on just the two wheels. I saw one at a store the other day. We're almost out of time, so I'm not going to be able to describe it. But I thought, wow, this might be the future of handicapped and or overweight people mm. moving around stores. I saw somebody in one, and it was it was fascinating. So it's non-tippy. Yeah, you like can't a scooter over, would be. But it's just two wheels. Really? And this, and this old woman was just riding around the store in it. I'll be darned. Because it has the can't-tip-over function. Good going. for you, Granny. Drive carefully.